0: Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks. They're the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just go to FreshBooks.com slash TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section when signing up. This week on TWiP, Google is breaking up Google Plus into photos, hangouts, and streams. Also, ProPhoto has launched the B2, and finally, Lightro reorganizes and refocuses on virtual reality. It's Monday, March 9th, 2015, and this is TWiP. All right, folks, welcome back to TWiP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today on this episode of the show to discuss photography and a whole lot of other cool things are Mr. Craig Colvin, Miss Jan Kabili, and Mr. Alex Koloskov. Hey, guys, how you doing? Doing great. Frederick. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. I don't bite. You guys are like, <laughs> I'm doing okay. I'm really... Am. <laughs> welcome to the show. This is exciting. This is the first show... I feel like I haven't done a show in, in forever. It's the last show we did was from Las Vegas, and, uh, you know, Vegas years are like 30 years per day to anybody else, so I feel like I haven't done a show in forever. So let's start with you, Craig. You were in Vegas, too. I know you didn't have a good time. You were just you're stuck uh, I, in your room the entire time, I know. So tell, yeah, us, tell I, us what's I,
1: the actually, I'm, I'm surprised I even uh, get a room when I go there. I was up most every night uh, meeting all the great people I know. I've met virtually and never met in person. Yeah. So it was a uh, it was a great time. Uh, it was a good show. Uh, it was my first WPPI, and I'll, oh, wow. okay. I'll definitely be heading back for that. Well, uh, cool. Yeah, and you got
0: to sit in on a live
1: recording of this week in photo. I, didn't you? I did, I did, and in, in your suite. Yeah, it was yeah. very. Uh, yeah, all, all the all the big muckety mucks were there. It was very good.
0: Yeah, I need a title that says muckety muck. I think that would be <laughs> really cool. <laughs> so, awesome. All right, what uh, else is what else are you working on?
1: Um, well, I'm um, uh, working on a workshop uh, that we're going to be uh, sponsored by This Week in Photography uh, mm-hmm. to Joshua Tree. We're going to, it's a uh, fine art nude models at Joshua Tree National Park. Yeah.
2: I'm yeah. rolling my eyeballs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, Jen, you're welcome to come. You are definitely no, welcome. No, thank to come.
2: you. I've been to those kind of workshops. And I know I like. to use
0: another like... expert in there teaching us how to hold the camera. Come on. You
1: know? <laughs>
2: That is the issue. I like the way you put fine art in there before yeah. nude. <laughs> like, that's going to save you.
1: <laughs> oh, if that if you've seen that kind of it, show. I know it. Yeah, great. <laughs> uh, now, if you've seen my work, it, it's art before before nude. So, yes, it is. Um, and that's going to be held May 1st through 3rd. Uh, yep. And we should have that up on the TWIP website uh,
0: by the time you hear this. It will be on the site. Yes. We'll also link to it from this episode. So if if folks are on the page for this and they're they're watching the video on thisweekinphoto.com in the body of this post, you'll see the link to that to that particular page. Well, cool. Well, welcome, Craig. I feel like I just saw you a minute ago, but welcome back again. <laughs> Always good to hang out with you. All right, uh, Jan Kabili, host of The Fix. Jan, what is going on in your world? Something big, I know.
2: Well, all kinds of big things. But first, I have to apologize to you, Craig. I'm sorry. I'm sure your workshop is wonderful. I know, it's fine. Okay, fine. (laughs) But um, anyway, so I, yeah, I'm busy, busy, busy as always. Um, And one of the things I'm busy with is The Fix, which is the new podcast on this Week In Photo Network. I'm so excited.
0: Yeah, and what's what is the fix about?
2: (laughs) The fix is all about fixing your photos, and that means Photoshop and Lightroom and any other apps or ways that you can think of to make your photos look better after you shoot them.
0: I love it. Our resident Photoshop, Lightroom, or Lightroom Photoshop expert, Jan Kabili. Awesome. Welcome, Jan. I know you're working on a ton of stuff. I mean, you're working. You're at Lynda.com author right I think that's that may have been where I first heard of you It's like you're kinda of prolific in the lynda.com world right
2: yeah yeah I was one of the first authors ever there I've been working with lynda.com since I won't even tell you 1999 <laughs> wow yeah. yeah and that's like the main thing that I do and I just love it it's such a professional experience um, and I think that the quality of the uh, the courses that go out of there are just you know, top-notch, and so I'm really honored to be a part of it.
1: Awesome. Let's and is see. it mainly Lightroom and Photoshop courses you're doing there?
2: Yeah, I do mostly Lightroom and Photoshop, and I do some Photoshop elements as well, um, and because my background is in photography, I went to grad school in photography, so.
0: Awesome. Great. Well, welcome welcome to the show. It's good to have you on. I feel like we talk all the time, and this is, you know, it's a treat to have you sitting in the hot seat while I'm hosting. I like it. Ooh, this.
2: I'll be careful. <laughs> all
0: right. Hey, I got the power. I got the mic. All right. Uh, speaking of power and microphones, last but not least, my brand new friend and new to the Silicon Valley area and and prolific on Google Plus and many other places, the CEO of PhotoG, Mr. Alex Koloskov, is in the house and is joining us to talk about all the stuff that's going on. Alex, first of all, Welcome to this week in photos. A pleasure to have you on. Thanks for coming on. And
3: what is going on in your world, man? <laughs> wow, such introduction. Uh, thank you, Frederick. That's that's great. Uh, thank you for inviting me, of course. And uh, well, I'm new to this area, and uh, I'm new to what I'm doing here. Uh, we got big studio, mm-hmm. and I'm spending spending days and uh, well, hopefully nights. But nobody let me spend night here, <laughs> my girls. <laughs> but yeah, basically. We finish in setting up the studio, and uh, big plans we have. Uh, we'll be running workshops, uh, live workshops, all, all kind of things here. Studio. We may, we may do some TWIP workshops from that space. Yes, too. yes definitely. Uh, of course, uh, what I do, I'm not going to fill the studio I mean, all seven days a week. No way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So definitely we'll uh, host uh, all kind of photographers, and uh, yeah, we can do things with TWIP. You yeah, we, and do we gotta
0: yeah. we gotta like definitely link to your portfolio, which we will from this blog post. But the like some of the work that you do with water is just crazy. It's outstanding. If people haven't seen that. Alex Alex likes to sculpt with water at one one-thousandth of a second or something like that. <laughs> so it's some really cool stuff. I'm sure you make a mess there, but the result is is spectacular. So we'll we'll put some of those in the blog post of this episode.
3: Yeah, cool. We're preparing for that kind of workshop. I'm getting big rugs, you know, to cover studio.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be cool. I can't wait. Craig does some of that kind of stuff, too, but Craig likes paint. You like water. Craig Craig goes with paint for some reason. Cool. I don't know. Paint is great as well, yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Well, cool. All right, before we jump into this episode, we got a ton of cool stuff to talk about. Uh, before we do that, I want to thank our first sponsor for the show, and that's our good friends over at FreshBooks.com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, we use freshbooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy because as we all know as creative professionals we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses and tracking billable time and all that and i think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple it's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like photoshop and lightroom and you know all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain. And thankfully, Freshbook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or you know sort of messing with our creative juices with Freshbooks you can invoice clients it's easy you can do it in seconds and expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger you're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff you can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your on your mobile phone you can bi- whip up business reports you can stay on top of your income expenses and tax time is coming up so with a couple of clicks you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP, enter the code this week in photo or TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to, uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of This Week in Photo. And here's a quick look at what's happening this week on the Twip Network. Over on Street Focus, Valerie presents another Streets of the World featuring Athens with Spyros Papa Papaspiropoulos. And on your itinerary, Mike Driscoll files a special report from the New York Times Travel Show. And over on The Fix, Jan discusses Lightroom collections and keywords with Mr. Peter Krogh. And on All About the Gear, Doug and I take a fresh look at the new Sony a7II and Finally, over on Twip Weddings, Bruce and Brian are joined by Phoenix wedding photographer Melissa Jill to talk albums. All that and more is happening this week on the Twip Network. You can subscribe to any or all of our shows over at thisweekinphotocom slash subscribe. All right, guys, this this first story, uh, story number one, I think we're going to probably spend a lot of time on this one, and maybe a little bit of time on the other two, um, but this story I think is the biggest this week for photographers, and it's about Google+. So Google+, is breaking up into, I was just trying to think of a softer name, a softer word, but... They're breaking up into uh, into pieces, photos, streams, and I think one in Hangouts, right? So right. into three different pieces. And the other piece of that that I took home and that I read, I think it was in The Verge, and I agreed with, was that this is kind of the um, acquiescence of social media, the social media space to Facebook. Is this, is this, you know, Google Plus saying, all right, you guys got it, go ahead. You know, it's all yours. You know, I, you, know you win. We're going to refocus our efforts in these different areas instead of putting everything into one basket. So I'm gonna, let me read this first blurb to you guys, and then we um, Alex, I'm going to throw it to you first to get your thoughts on this. So it says, uh, last week Google announced that it would be making changes to its fledgling social network, Google Plus. The product would now be split into separate products photos, streams, and hangouts. The future of Google Hangouts remains unclear, but for now, Hangouts will remain as a standalone product. And according to The Verge, Google's Sundar Pichai, I believe I got the name right, Senior Vice President of Products, confirmed that Hangouts will live on as a standalone product. As, many, as the company reorganizes around photos and communications. He says, for us, Google Plus was always focused on two big things. One was building a stream. The second was a social layer, a common layer of identity, how sharing works across our products and services. So, Alex, when you look at this, and you and I were talking about this a little bit offline, this is the whole idea of... You know, building building a company, or or in other words, even if you're not building a company, building up reliance on a company's products and services when they're free like this, and how it might not make sense on one hand, but on the other hand, they're building world class, really cool products. Like we're using Hangouts to record this show, and it works really well. So I I I don't want to give it up. So. Like, what do you think about this? First of all, what do you think about the breakup? Is it, is it the right thing to do? Are they making a mistake? Should they be going after Facebook? What's up? Uh,
3: well, um, I don't think I can really kind of judge is it right or not. Uh, yeah. They definitely um, have their own ideas. And I'm thinking that uh, knowing the Google, how they work, uh, and uh, I hope it's all about um, making some improvements, basically making it better for us, for consumers. Uh, and I really hope that we're not going to lose functionality that we have now that we're using. It's okay to have them in different products, for example. It's fine to have maybe different interface. But uh, as a consumer, uh, I really hope that I'm not going to lose anything. Yeah, if it's about gaining, about providing more uh, things, it's it's better. If it's not, well, then uh, what will be in return? What will be you know the end result of this? So we'll yeah. see. On that, but on other perspective, again, Google is really, like I told you before, that uh, I see it as a really young company, even though it's not young and it's not small. But they really love to experiment and play with things. Uh, you know, big corporation, they with time, you know, spend and they kind of uh, becoming more rigid on yeah, changes and everything is slower and you know, bureaucracy and stuff like this. I don't know how it's inside the Google, but outside. It's still so young, so energetic. They they change things on the fly, and I really like this. This is basically what I do all, I mean, all the time, yeah. All my life. Uh, so I hope it all will be uh, better. And uh, again, we'll see.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, you hit it right on the head. They, it is a young a young company. I mean, it's not Google has not been around all that long. A and B. I think the company itself is. You know, it's got a kind of a young, youthful atmosphere going on there, and try new things and all that. Jen, when you when you saw this, were you uh, were you like, oh, you know, more change from Google? You know, I feel like the, the market or the the folks out there were kind of split. You know, some people are saying, oh, good, finally some some changes, evolution. You know, change is good. And then on the other hand, folks are saying, ah, see, Google's conceding to Facebook, and look, they're doing the Google Reader thing to Google+. You're just going to cut it, and millions of users that have grown to love it are going to be out in the cold again. where, Where do you fall on that?
2: Well, I love change. You know, I love being on the cutting edge of stuff, and I think it's a good thing to experiment. So I'm not really worried. Everything that Google has done so far has been pretty positive in my book. You know, some of their efforts haven't. Haven't uh, flown like uh, Google Helpouts. Remember that? You yeah, know, I signed up that
0: for two weeks it. ago. They yeah,
2: kill that. And you know, I'd signed up for that early on, and I'd set up a wallet and you know put up a Helpout page, and then it never really went anywhere. But that's okay. You know, I don't think you have to hold on to things that aren't working with both hands really tightly. The question to my mind is: Is Google Plus really not working for the photography community? I think in that slice of the pie it actually is working and working really well and opening up all kinds of doors uh, creating community um, allowing us to share with one another in ways that Facebook certainly doesn't do and that we hadn't had the opportunity to do before so in the photo community I'm not sure that Google Plus is broken enough to do away with
0: it. yeah no no I agree and I, I you know I'm excited that these groups that are there like the Google Photos team can now, you know, and of course I have no insider information or even insight into what they're doing, but you know, it feels like that as a as a autonomous team, not tied directly to the other teams, that they maybe could be able to innovate faster and do cooler things. You know, the Photos product is deep. I mean if you've if you haven't looked at that product, the Google Photos is amazing for what you get for free and in the cloud. I mean, it's it's better than many many paid services. Craig, Craig, when you saw these changes and you're like, okay, you you know what, I, you heard what I said to, to Alex and Jan? Is it where do you fall on the side of that? Is it more change for the sake of change or is it progress?
1: Well, my initial thought was, oh no, it's Google Reader all over again, but as yeah. I dove into it a little bit and and read some more, it it does look like they are going to continue all of these services in some some form and fashion. Um, and I, I think it does make a little bit of sense to, to separate some of them. Um, using Google Hangouts with Google Plus was uh, clunky. There, there, were, there were different ways to start Hangouts that sometimes would include it on your feed and sometimes wouldn't. And So I think by making them standalone products, they can perhaps improve on that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, uh, Jan brought up an interesting point that for the photography community, I've always felt like Google Plus was mainly a photography community. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that seems to be where they got their biggest traction, and I think maybe by by splitting these up, they can perhaps attract uh, some other communities as well. So it's to their advantage to do so.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I hear you, and I always thought because I'm on Google Plus and I'm a photographer, and most of the people that I interact with are photographers. That's why I have mostly photographers in my circle. But turns out that. They're saying that you know mostly photographers are on Google+. Now, Alex, you have—I haven't looked today, but last time I checked, it was like over two million people following you on on G+. Is it two million photographers, or is it two million two million other people out there? You know, I'm
3: curious. I can only hope it's uh, photographers. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, because um, I don't know. Uh, there is very uh, little feedback. Uh, from those two millions, just I mean it's hard to compare, but I can compare on a Facebook where yeah. I have uh, I don't know two hundred thousand maybe, uh, and uh, it's more feedback, more interaction going on uh, than on Google Plus with two, two million. So you, you know there is big difference on you know what kind of audience, but definitely uh, I have a lot of uh, friends and uh, followers, photographers there because Google Plus was. Um, well, it was like sort of winning ticket for me uh, the time when it started because I was one of those first who jumped in uh, thanks to trailer Atklyf uh, who kind of started and somehow I I don't remember how but I get an interaction interception with him at Google Plus and then I kind of whoa it's such cool community and yeah. everything started on Google Plus but then over time it's kind of a little bit lost for me I don't know that sense of interaction, I don't know. Maybe because too many people uh, who I have no idea and different languages, you know, different, uh, well, hard to tell, but I just found myself that uh, I do a little bit, well, I do more interaction on Facebook than on Google+.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard that a lot from different folks that, that the engagement and interaction seems to be lower on Google+. And I did a test myself. I mean, I don't have... I'm looking at my numbers here. I don't, I don't have your 2 point whatever million followers, Alex. I think I have like, you know, half a million or something. Um, but doing a test, you know, just doing it like a, a, a quick test. I did this a couple months ago by sending out a quick link and seeing how many clicked on it versus the same compelling link on Twitter and Facebook and the numbers were exponentially different on the other networks versus the size of the audience that I was reaching because there's, like, thousands of people over there versus almost, you know, a half a million over here. You would think if .01 person, if the conversion rate is .01 person out of half a million, that should be a good chunk of change of people that I would see coming through. But no, it didn't, it didn't pan out to that. So I wonder, and then I, you know, I cross-referenced that with, uh, what was it, Instagram, recently did a house cleaning where they uh they sent a note to me. I think I had I only had like 18,000 people on Instagram following me, but they sent a note saying, you know, you may no- notice your follower count drop dramatically in the next couple of days because we we're removing all the robots from the service. So I'm like, "Okay, what does this mean?" You know, I'm scared now. So I go back a couple of days later and it went from 18,000 to 14,000, which was that's a pretty big leap for that number. I'm like, that many robots were—it
3: <laughs> was, <like, laughs> was not bad. It, I, I read stories where it uh, went down more than half. Right. Really?
0: Oh, yeah. Wow. That's like an army of robots in there that were that were hanging out in my Instagram feed. I don't know, Craig. Craig, what do you what do you think about that? The engagement side of this, you know, well, and I, those numbers.
1: Yeah, I've I've always described Google Plus as write only. Uh, anything I post there, I, I get. Little to no engagement on. Uh, whereas any other of the social media—Twitter, Facebook, Instagram—I um, I get much much higher percentage of engagement. And I don't know. I don't know why. Um, yeah. I, I've often wondered about that. I, I I'm thinking perhaps on my stream it flows so fast on Google Plus that if I'm not watching, I don't see a post. It's gone before um, before I would ever get to it. You know, yeah. I'm only seeing the last you know, five minutes of people's posts. But so... you know,
2: but you guys are talking about getting engagement in terms of uh, people commenting on your photos. Don't you think that Google Plus offers another kind of engagement, which is um, getting to know people in your profession? Mm. I know a lot of people that I've never met before. Alex, you're a great example. I mean, you've become famous. and. I had not heard of you before Google Plus, and there are many people in that same boat. So it does create these professional connections, even if, as Craig says, you don't end up, you know, in the numbers game. You don't have lots of comments on your posts, or in your numbers game, Frederick, you know, you're not finding that the numbers that um, of followers on Google Plus is translating into real people or whatever yeah. you're finding. It's yeah. got that other kind of benefit, and that is not something that I get on Facebook. For me, yeah. Facebook is about my friends, my family, people that, you know, I'm just goofing around with in regular life, <laughs> but yeah. Google Plus is about being a photographer, being a teacher, being a Photoshop expert.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I wish I wish it were that easy for me, because it's like, everything is all mixed up. I feel like my social media footprint is like a it's like a hoarder's garage or something, because <laughs> it's like, there's this stuff everywhere, I mean, because I was, I was on all these networks relatively early, so there's... You know, crossover. When I say it's cloudy, I mean that it's cloudy between business and pleasure. I wish I could say that my Facebook account and all the people that I know on Facebook were just close friends and family or people that I've met in real life. Um, but it didn't start like that. So it's not like that. And I don't want to like unfriend a gazillion people, you know. So it's, it's sort of weird. And then I looked at Google Plus as kind of like Okay, this is a fresh start. We can start fresh and build your social media footprint the way it's supposed to be using Google+. But then the engagement's not there, so you still end up going back, back over to the other one. Don't even get me started on Pinterest. I haven't even started there. You know, I don't know. I don't know. So, so you guys, the other, the other thing that I wanted to bring up. There's a couple more things, but one of them was the, you know, doing research on Google+. Obviously, owned by Google, the world's largest search engine. Um, rumor has it or I think Google has publicly said that weightings for your for people with larger followings .ie more social weight um, when like for example, if Alex posts something and links to something, that link will have more weight than if I post it just because he has, many more times followers than I do right so oh,
2: he's you, just cooler than you that's the only well, reason I'm trying to dance around <laughs> that but he is
0: cool <laughs> but, but, but I mean but you think of it you're like okay well that has significant implications for business if if I want to promote a page or a webinar or a link or something if Alex promotes it or Trey promotes it with these with these legions of followers behind them Theoretically, that thing will bubble up closer to the top of the search results, resulting in more click-throughs, etc. Whereas, you know, if it was just somebody like you know that has two followers, then chances are they won't get seen. I don't know. Where do you, where do you guys fall on that? I mean, is that is that a valid reason to stay plugged into Google Plus, Craig? What do you what do you think?
1: Well, it's a valid reason to have Alex post, uh, you know, reshare all of my posts. <laughs> I <you> know, know. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, it, uh, there is um there is uh definitely some value in that it, you know you're you're always trying to uh get into get get engaged, get people to come to your site and you do that through the search engine so right. if you can raise the uh uh the value on the search engine that's very valuable um, I don't have enough followers probably to influence that but yeah you know, that's why I associate with people like you
0: no, well, there you go. See, you just want me for my follower count, and now you're gonna dump me for for Alex. I see how it goes, man.
3: Well, <laughs> I cra- hey. But what I noticed that uh, if I post a link on a Google, Google Plus and Facebook, because, let's say a nice picture or some whatever, same exactly the same title, everything, uh, mm-hmm. Facebook gives much more clicks. That's actually uh, because I have the project, right? It's like I have thing which I want to drive traffic through. Mm-hmm. And uh, Facebook, in this case, works much better. Uh, Google, through Google, through search, yeah, there is a big chunk of uh, traffic comes from Google. So it's hard to tell uh, either because of my two millions or just because uh, good content is uh, CEO optimized on 40G. Uh, I don't know. But, yeah. Um, but, you this, See, that's what we need to know. I mean, I think that's probably what Google
0: wants to keep secret, because that's part of that whole quote-unquote algorithm that they have there, right, that, that that determines who is a king and who isn't, you know, who gets the traffic, who doesn't get the traffic. Jen, Jen how do you operate there, you know, do you do you pay attention to this stuff when you're writing blog posts? I know you do when you're writing fixed posts, but, you know, when you're writing blog posts, how do you, do you like, pay attention to what Google's going to do, or are you keyword and SEO savvy? What do you, what do you think?
2: Oh no, no! I just post what I want, (laughs) where I want, whatever. But you know, actually, Frederick, I'm—I don't think it really is a contest between Facebook and Google Plus. And if it is, so be it. But what I'm interested in is what's going to happen next, and what this split up is going to bring, and in particular, what it's going to bring to photographers. And I'm Mm -hmm. curious what you guys think the photo business is going to be. They've already announced we're going to have photos and streams. I don't know if that's all in one bailiwick because Bradley Horowitz is in charge of both, Um, how how those things work together. But in terms of photos, what is the photo business going to be if it's not going to be uh, posting photos and waiting for comments on them? Um, I have a feeling it's going more toward storage and backup. What do you guys think?
1: I, I had envisioned it being something more like uh, you know sharing of your photos so you know flickr 500px that sort of thing um, just a, yet a, yet another one with Google's name behind it and Google weight behind it uh, they they definitely have the ability to help you store and backup photos though that's a that's a very interesting uh, observation uh, and I I would I would welcome that um, I don't know that I would ever be able to store all the photos I'd like to up there, uh, just because I have so many. But uh, it, it would definitely be be interesting.
3: Yeah, Alex, what do you what do you think? Uh, I think um, that yeah, it's probably same as Craig. Uh, storage, not sure, but for sharing, uh, right now uh, it's real situation. Uh, I was with uh, Apple stuff, you know, iPhones and uh, computers, for several years, maybe like four I'm years. Mm-hmm. And uh, recently, I got out of curiosity. Well, before I was PC, and you know, Android was kind. Of... So now I get uh, Samsung Galaxy Tab S. Tab S, cool device. And uh, I found that all my photos that I take with iPhone, is in Galaxy Tab photos. Just because Google sharing is on on both devices, mm. so it's it's really cool. I mean, uh, cross-platform type of sharing. Yeah. And it's not supported by Apple. I mean, explicitly. So it works really cool. And uh, for backup, it would be cool. But I, I have maybe like about twenty terabytes of photos and videos, which I really like to store somewhere. It's not everything that I have, but it's about. I'm not sure how much it will cost to store it on, you know, Google Drive. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: I know. I know. I so storage. Yeah. I. I,
0: don't know. I. I. Looking at this. I. So we've got we know what photos is going to be from Apple, the photos.app. We know what that's going to be. So Aperture's gone, so we had, we're left with Lightroom on a pro solution level. We're left with Lightroom, which is a good something to be left with. Lightroom rocks, right? Um, and then of course we have Photoshop, but there seems to be like a a definite hole in the market for something to slide in there. You know, I don't know if it's a is it a consumer-facing cloud-based alternative to Lightroom that has Pay-as-you-go storage on the back end so that Alice can throw up his 20 terabytes of images and not have to worry about it? Or, you know, is it is it just a cloud version of Lightroom, which they kind of have already, but this one supports RAW? Is the focus, should the focus be on mobile? Because that's where everything is going, right? So should the focus be on mobile and not, like Lightroom is today, locked to your desktop, which kind of has a foot in the past, whereas everyone's moving to tablets and phones and all this stuff? You know, it, it seems like there's a, a, a definite opportunity for someone smarter than me to, like, go and say, you know what, you know, there's a definite hole here. If I had $5 million in funding, we could build something insane and punch a hole in the sky. It just feels like we're at that point, like the end of Prohibition where companies were starting up, like Jack Daniels or something. I don't know. <laughs> it seems fun. I don't know. So, Jan, what do you think? I mean, if you were going to pie in the sky this, and you, you know, you know, you better than anybody knows what the market is and what's needed and all that. Where do you see the holes right now? What, what is missing that, that would make your life complete, your digital life complete?
2: Well, I think you're right. There is a great big hole down the middle and that is where do you put your photos? Where do you keep them? Putting them on these external drives just is, you know, a nightmare. How many external drives do you guys have? I don't even know what's on each one anymore and uh, you know then we had the idea well the Drobo and those kind of array systems but people get those and then they fail and everybody freaks out. Well then People say, OK, we'll upload everything to a cloud service. And they find out it's going to take a month <laughs> to upload oh, all their photos. Really?
1: It took nine months for just uh, 10% of my photos to get uploaded.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's out of control. So I do think that that is a big hole. And if anybody's positioned to fill that, it's Google, because they have their fingers in so many pies. And it's not just that they're experts in, um, you know, in, in servers and all the things that you need there, but they also have experts in photography. And I really think that's what's needed. You know, you need people who have their feet on the ground in the photo community to build tools that we can that are good for us to use. It can't yeah. just be engineers. It can't just be marketing people or, um, you know, tech people. It's got to be people who understand what photographers need.
0: Yeah. Well, when you say that and I want to have all you guys chime in on that. I feel the same way Jan, but then when when I hear those words I'm like, yeah, Google can do this, you know. Of course, they got the horsepower, they got the brain power, they've got the 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 market respect. They could totally pull this off. And then I think about Google Wave and Google Reader and Google Helpouts and I'm like, if I was Alex, If I was Alex, I'm like, do I really want to put 20 terabytes of stuff up there and not have it somewhere else and then have some, you know, have the decision be made about my photos in some meeting, you know, at Google and they're like, oh, you know what? That's not really working for us. Send an email to everybody and tell them we're shutting it down. You're like, okay, now what do I do? We to download them all to somebody. Yeah, <laughs> thank, you for, <laughs> thank you for your patronage. We tried it. It didn't work. We're moving on. Sorry. You know that, doesn't, that kind of stuff doesn't work when you've got 20 terabytes of stuff in the cloud. You know, I can see for Google Reader, you're like, oh, it's a bummer. I can go find some other solution. But now we're talking precious, irreplaceable data. You know, and it's not
3: experimental.
0: I don't know, Alex. What? what how well, do you? What, what do you think about that?
3: You 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 hit right on the target. I was not thinking about this when I kind of put in my head. Oh, it will be so cool application from Google, something like uh, like like Troom, but really light, just for you know putting yeah. photos and it will silently upload everything in cloud and you know. But you you're right. It's like because Google is working directly to uh, you know end user like us. Uh, and changing, you know, things on the fly, uh, it may be. For example, um, for me right now, uh, the backup solution, with that uh, Amazon uh, Glacier, right? They yeah, have. yeah,
0: Glacier.
3: Uh, because Glacier uh, S3, uh, it's cost more, but something like on Amazon, uh, you know, cloud services. Uh, looks much more reliable, just because uh, we know that Amazon provides services not only for end user, but it's for uh, you know businesses, for big corporations. Yeah. And it's much unlikely that they're gonna change and then say one day, oh, okay, guys, we're not going to do it anymore. Yeah. It will be just too expensive for them to tell this, you know, not us, but you know, those big guys who are using them. So, and yeah, uh, I hope. Yeah. Uh, no,
0: I I agree. That's that's the thing. I mean, and with. I, I agree with you, Alex, because I feel like there's much more trust in I mean as far as data storage goes in Amazon. I trust Google. I'm not I'm not, you know, trashing Google. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> it's happened before. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, it has happened before. And when it's something experimental or something like, okay, whatever, it's just it's just reader, you know, that's not a big deal. But when you're talking data and photos to a photographer that's the that's the
1: crown jewels there, and then when and I think but of also it, when it's free, they're not making money off of right. it, right? So you can't really it. you can't really complain if they just say, well, we're going to turn off this free service, right? Yeah. Well, can I can, but
3: it, I better I, pay money, maybe a little money, but uh, if it will be uh, at least some guarantee or well, something. Right.
1: Yeah, but I right. would
0: much rather I would pay them, I don't know some amount a month to if I could have a professional like Hangouts for example, I would pay. Money to have a professional version of Hangouts, you know, one that doesn't change all the time. You know, it's just designed for pro use and gives you some pro-level features. And you know, maybe you can OEM it and put your own logo in there or something. I would, I would pay good money to have that, and just to have the peace of mind of having someone to complain to because I gave them my money. Right now, we can't complain. You know, we're just, you know, hey, you signed the terms of service, dude. Shut up. Get in line with the rest of the million people. So and then with Amazon, you're right. Amazon seems to be a little bit more trustworthy in terms of data just because they're they're serving up data at the enterprise level. Um, and I would love it if, you know, they remember all the guys remember guys that were talking about the, the drone delivery service? Wouldn't it be cool if they could send a drone to your house to pick up your hard drive to then take
1: Yeah, that that sounds very secure. <laughs> Yeah, come on, we shoot it down. Then <laughs> little notice, drone was lost. <laughs> All of my photos are somewhere, somewhere up the exactly. peninsula. Yeah,
0: the terms of service probably said if you're using our drone-based pickup, please ensure you have a backup. We are not responsible for yeah. any tragedies that happen in the air. So.
1: So going going back to what Jan was saying on the uh, you know the, the filling the holes, she she made me think about something where the the sharing of of photos across all these platforms is uh, really lacking. Um, mm-hmm. Dropbox tried it with carousel, which which I really like, but it's a little limited. And if Google could do something like that with photos, I think uh, everybody b- would be on. it. Well, you know
0: who's doing that right now? I mean, that solution is here. Mileo. Is doing that, so they have cross plat. So I talked to Maya Leo a while back, and I'm gonna re- I'm gonna interview them. I did an interview with them that never aired because there were some errors in there, and um, so I never let it go out, which which is fine because they've re they've updated the service and addressed I think all of the concerns that I had before. But their premise is their platform independent, so they work across Mac OS, Windows, Android, iOS, etc., and Basically, uh, they you know the cool thing is when I when I first got MyLeo, when I first started playing with it I thought okay like Craig was saying it's gonna take forever to suck all my data up and then put it on their cloud and then it's gotta sync back down to all these other machines and then it's gotta traffic cop everything to make sure the versions are the right versions but it turns out what they're doing without going too deep into it you guys remember um, BitTorrent you know BitTorrent right so Craig. like. The Napster technology, or the technology, the torrent underlying technology under Napster, which was every computer is essentially a server and is serving up data to the other computers that care about what's on it. So, Mileo does that. So, it turns out they're not uploading data. They are, you're a peer. So, you set up your Mac as a peer and you set up another Mac as a peer and they exchange data directly without going up through a server. Now, you can add a server. In the cloud as a node, and then have data go up there too. But it's doing peer-to-peer syncing back and forth, which I thought was brilliant. And then oh, they do your devices. Oh, your
1: own machines or are on all Mylio customers. No, your own machines. No, Yo, it's machines. your it's yeah, your okay. own.
0: So think not, of it, yeah. your own private peer-to-peer network for for your photos.
1: So I That's tried what... MyLeo right when they came out. Uh, yeah. They they were in fact they had just released the beta, and it was right version one. And mm-hmm. I, I had issues with it. I, I went to have my Lightroom catalog available on my iPad. Yeah, me too. Right, yeah. and that was really what I was going for, and it. I kept having memory issues. I couldn't fit all the libraries I wanted to on my iPad. Mm. So I don't know how they, if if they've changed that or uh, you know addressed that. But that uh, I'll, I'll take a look at them again. Yeah,
0: if you that's... take a look at because I think they, they made some changes, and they I, I saw them at uh, at WPPI. I had a chat with with the, one of the founders uh, there, if not mm-hmm. the founder there. Um, David and we chatted about it a little bit, and he said, "Yeah, you need to. You definitely need to get in there and play with it." And uh, so that's it's on my list for this weekend to dive in and play with it, and then interview them next week to talk through my findings and the issues and see where the thing is going. But I think that that service and like Google Plus Photos, if they continue calling Google Plus Photos. Um, or whatever. You know, there's there's like these different pieces out there. Some of them are are more of a solution than others, but I feel like we're at this time where it's like I I honestly as as weird as it seems, I feel safer with my data here. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Under my roof. I know it's all gone if something happens to my house or, you know, whatever happens, but I feel like I know over there on those Drobos or in, on that Western Digital or whatever, there's data there that is gonna be there hopefully when I go double click on that drive. I don't know, Alex. What what are you doing right now for your photo storage?
3: Uh, I use uh, Promise Pegasus. Oh, the Pegasus, yeah. Pegasus. Uh, I have two. One is here, six bay um, uh, with two terabyte each drive. Going to uh, upgrade it to six or whatever it's maximum now. Yeah. And we have one more on other location. I have two drobos. I have uh, two more, uh, just Raid 5, uh, some no-name, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I have a couple more things. So it's everywhere, (laughs) you know? Yeah, uh, it's everywhere. uh, It's everywhere.
0: Yeah. 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 Do you have anything in the cloud? Are you backing up to Backblaze? I'm backing
3: up most like family photos, something really, really, really which I want to keep, Uh, family videos. Uh, I have three terabytes on Mm, copy.com. I mean, it's not filled. It's really hard to fill it. it's their software. Uh, it's just to synchronize the folder. I didn't have folder with three terabytes sitting in it. So yeah. <laughs> it's not that easy. Uh, but yeah, and uh, Dropbox one terabyte. Dropbox so far uh, works really well of uh, sharing things. You know, which I want to share large large files or large archives with people. That's so far the best. I'm playing with it. By the way, uh, quick thought about Google. Yeah, and you know uh, all this. Did we see any big changes recently, or not recently, on Google uh, Advertisement Service? Um, Probably I not. have. I mean, yeah. it was nothing big, like, oh, we're not going to do it anymore, stuff like this, right? Because yeah. that's where they're making money. And the rest is like a playground, which is Yeah, awesome. you're right. Yeah. But if they will make, let's say, photos free and photos pro, and on pro they're going to make some money, Yeah. that's where reliability and more like, oh, reliability can be everywhere, but more like a trust or something may come because they're not going to change it fast if you make some money on it.
0: That's right, yeah. Maybe. You hit it right, yeah. Like Google Google Apps, for example. I use Google Apps for, to, to run Twip, and my email addresses and all that stuff run through Google Apps, which I pay a fee for yearly. They never change that, or they very rarely change it. In fact, when they came out with that Inbox app, it didn't even, things don't even work with Google Apps initially, you know? It still doesn't work with Google Apps. It's like Google Apps is in this the steel tower that no one can touch, you know? And every now and then they let something out, but it's a steel tower because people run their businesses on it. I would love for that kind of mentality to, like you're saying, Alex, to leak out to everything else. Right, Jan? So you have like Google Plus Photos and Google Plus Photos Pro and Hangouts Pro, you know? And then, but it's, you pay a certain fee, and everybody's happy. Would you pay for that, Jen?
2: Oh, I would totally pay for that, especially um, a Hangouts Pro, because I'll tell you that Hangouts have expanded my business model. And Alex, mm-hmm. you too, I'm sure. You know, It is a broadcast medium. It's like having a television studio in your home. Yeah. Um, but the problem with it is that it is not just aimed at at pros, it's also under consumers, so it kind of breaks down in ways you know that wouldn't happen if they were streamlining it for if they knew, hey, people are really going to be using this in their business plans, and the same thing goes. Um, I was involved in the Arcanum, you know, the Trey some um, teaching uh, operation.
0: Yeah, and everybody, everybody here is involved with the Arcanum.
2: <laughs> right, right, and so um, and that used not only Hangouts but also uh, Google Plus communities. Yeah, and. It always felt to me like um, Google wasn't paying attention that the communities were getting used in this professional way and there were just all kinds of little annoying things about communities that you couldn't control. Um, And I was like, hey, don't they understand what's happening here? It's just a few lines of code. Why doesn't somebody just fix the fact that you can only have 20 categories, for example, in a community? Or um, the way that photos are posted and when you put them in albums and then you click on the album, they all split apart. Why can't someone fix that for us? If it were a business proposition, I think they might have.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think we solved it. Hey, Google, Google, if you're listening, we fixed everything. Just start charging us money. <laughs> That's all it takes. Craig, time Craig, is it.
1: Yeah. Would you pay, Craig? Would you pay for, uh, for premium services? Uh, yes, I would. I, I I probably would not have six months ago, but uh, I now you know Hangouts and uh, uh, Google Plus are are part of my day to day life. Uh, I, I couldn't live without them, so I would pay now. Uh, I I I don't know that. Right, that's not Google's business model though. Uh, so I don't know that they would 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 do that. But I would like to see them do it.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to leave this topic. I think the. The bottom line is, it doesn't look like Google is end, ending any of these products. I mean, you're ending the, the idea of a unified product structure with these products, but maybe they'll go on by themselves to be much bigger than the than the sum of their parts, I'm hoping. Because like Jan was saying, we're using um, Hangouts. I mean, we were using Hangouts for, what, a year plus um, to record Twip on, and then we experimented with Skype and that has its own issues we experimented with zoom.us that has its own issues but we're back here now because there's certain features in here that we need you know to do what we do and you know in a lot of ways twip is here because of google i mean even our show notes are in google we're all looking at the same document right now <laughs> in the hangout that google's providing so we're using all these google tools to create this thing that was not even possible a couple years ago so yeah, it's, it's just, for me, it gets a little scary when things change like that, you know, especially on a platform that you rely on so heavily, because it's like, uh, you're going to change the way my car drives, uh, can you not do that, because I need to get to work. <laughs>
1: you know? uh, I don't want to like learn which pedal I have to push now,
0: right? Yeah, every day, the steer, the ignition switch is in a different spot, you know, I don't need that, so yeah, it's crazy stuff. All right, guys, let's move on to story number two. So story number two is about Profoto. So I think at least two of the people on this show know about Profoto. Alex is one of them. Alex, you know about Profoto, right? Yeah, I know a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you own some of that stuff. And Craig as well. So Profoto has announced the B2. This is from our friends at Petapixel. Um, After shaking up the lighting industry with the B1 flash system back in 2013, Profoto is back with another quote game-changing product this one is the Profoto B2 it's a small and lightweight off-camera flash system that's designed for easy and fast on location shoots it's a new ultra portable counterpart to the B1 flash and it's so small and light that it can be mounted on top of your camera making it according to Profoto at least the world's first off-camera flash that can also be used on camera Alex, what do you think about this? Is this uh, is this a toy that you need and why? You know, you told me this in your studio. I want to have you reiterate this. You've used all kinds of flash stuff. In fact, you did some tests with ProPhoto versus Einsteins and and different things Broncolor. You landed on ProPhoto. Why are you on ProPhoto?
3: No, no, I'm landing on Broncolor. Um, on color. okay, got it. Broncolor, uh, tested basically uh, the ch- difference uh, for me between Profoto and Broncolor was minimal, and Profoto actually a little bit more affordable, a little bit. Uh, I went with Broncolor just because they a little bit better uh, on stopping action, mm-hmm. just a little bit, but again, it's uh, more like, uh, uh, not that much, I would say. Uh, but looking at this uh, B2, uh, I was playing with B1, yeah, uh, we got a few units uh, right here in California, and I was playing it on a beach, in a studio. Uh, it's it was cool unit, uh, really awesome, lots of power, lots of stopping power in terms of action photography, uh, and um, uh, still not that large. But and I like it actually, I really like it. Uh, I not was not going to use it in the studio because I don't need battery powered stuff here because yeah. I work in the studio mainly. Uh, for B2, it looks like it's um, almost well, very similar version of B1 with separated strobe, the lamp, mm-hmm. and battery, and pack, right, and connected with the cord. Because it's still portable. You're supposed to kind of mount on your, on your camera or uh, take it in your location. So definitely, it's not for studio photographers who work only in studio, like me. There is no reason to pay $2,000 for uh, one Light with really cool stopping power. I see that a flash duration can go uh, down to all up to fifteen thousand of a second. That's really short. It's really cool to to freeze, you know, splash. You need uh, one of um, one probably three thousand of a second, even maybe two thousand of a second. But fifteen thousand is it's awesome. Uh, But it's portable. I mean, it's still not as powerful as AC powered units, right? Yeah. And uh, the reason. I'm um, a little bit actually not sure here, because comparing B1 and B2, it's smaller, but it still has the batteries, you know, and stuff like this, and mm-hmm. probably the, the only thing that's really cool that you can mount it on a camera and have a battery, you know, somewhere on your, you know, on, your, body. Water, I mean, on your belt
0: it's like a wedding is this a wedding photographer tool or you know fashion? Craig Craig's gonna be in the desert with this thing right shooting fashion in the desert
1: yeah I I I think I would rather have the B1 uh, just so I don't have to worry about the cables and all that that Mm -hmm. it it actually if you a single flash head with the battery uh, the B2 weighs more than the B1 Hmm. so the battery will accommodate two flash heads uh so you do have that advantage. If you're gonna be using two lights on location, then yeah, that that helps you. Um, but you know, it's also they, they talk about mounting it on your camera, but the the flash head weighs one and a half pounds. Yeah. That seems like an awful lot to put on your hot shoe. <laughs> um yeah. I don't know that I'd want to be, you know, carrying, lifting that every time. I, I'm not quite sure what what the market is for this. Uh, I'm not, I'm not quite getting. It. I guess maybe if you had an assistant that had it attached to their belt and they're going to be carrying it around, it's a lot easier for them to carry.
0: Yeah, that's wow. what Joe, Joe McNally calls those voice-activated light stands.
1: Right, exactly. And and for that, I think this is great because the the flash head itself does weigh significantly less than the B1, um, but. You know, just for for my use uh, for portable, I, I would, I think I'd probably prefer the B1. Now, what do what are you using in your studio day to day? I use Einstein's in okay. my studio, okay. um, and I I use them on location as well. Uh, both those and Alien B's with uh, the Vagabond. Uh, the power Altino. brick. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and that brick is always a, a hassle to carry around, which makes me think with the B-2 you'd have that same issue. You always have to find a place to put it where it's going to be out of the elements. On the beach, you've got to keep it out of the sand and out of the water, uh, up high. So you need it up where the light, the, the uh, head is anyway. So why not just go with the B-1? Yeah.
0: And Jan, I know you don't shoot with this, but I, I had a question for you in terms of how to, how to spend your money, right? So... You know, you're, there's people here that are like, okay, you know, the the pro photo heads are two grand, three grand, four grand, whatever, depending on what you can afford. And then you've got the, um, you know, things like the Einstein, which are much more, which are much more uh, affordable. And by the way, you're muted, by the way, I think, Jim. Um, but if you're if you are a photographer that's like, okay, you know, I need to get into this stuff, or if you, even if you're a mid range photographer, how do you here's a better way to, to pose this and I, I asked this to someone at wppi just a couple days ago they were talking about the quality of light that comes out of these things you know and how to you know you're saying, you are saying yo the quality of light out of a pro photo head is better than the quality of light that comes out of an einstein head and that's why you pay the pro photo money and to me as a science geek i'm like A photon is a photon is a photon. Last time I checked, they don't have Gucci photons and Target photons and Tiffany photons. A photon is a photon. Why does one cost more than the other? Jan Kabili, you're, uh, you know, you're probably smarter than I am with this kind of stuff, explain it to me. Why Why do photons cost different prices?
2: I don't know anything about photons and I use the... <laughs> I, I use a free light source, the sun. Exactly! Photons all day it's long. Best, right, photons.
3: Right. best available
2: photons. Best but yes. I will tell you something and I'm... now this is... I'm being serious. Um, I have a lot of photographer friends and they're serious photographers. They're not necessarily studio photographers or commercial photographers but they take amazing photographs and I have long ago learned it is not necessarily the equipment some people just have the gift you know Mm -hmm. and they're gonna take great photos with an old camera without fancy lights Um, I think if you're if you have a limited amount of money what I like to spend money on is lenses I think uh, if you get a couple of really good lenses uh, that that will really help you if you have limited funds now that's a whole other subject of course
0: yeah yeah. Yeah, you're right. And that's, if you're going to put money in something, put it in lenses, all right? Because camera bodies come and go, well, lenses and lights, I think, is what I, lenses, lights, and tripods, okay?
2: <laughs> so yeah, tripods are good things.
0: It's <laughs> growing. My list is growing. Yeah. Lenses, lights, and tripods, I think. And maybe computers. now. <laughs> so much money to be spent. But, but on all seriousness, lenses, I have lenses that I've had for 20 years, 10, 15, 20 years that... I'm going to keep. I mean they're Nikon lenses and I can with adap- I can adapt them and put them on other bodies and you know light is light a photon is a photon and it's the same you know or a similar photon is going to go through that those lens elements the same way today as it did a million years ago you uh, know
3: Frederick, uh, it yeah. may be I may be speculating but you know there is a uh, spectrum For continuous light, I just read it. I don't use continuous light for shooting, but uh, different lamps may have different spectrum, meaning that, uh, you know, from color temperature and um, whatever, it's hard again. I'm not really in it. But maybe, it just maybe, Einstein has a different spectrum uh, than Pro Photo, for example. But I think it's more about, um, you know, maybe reliability and stuff like this. It's hard to. Yeah. I
0: want to, I want to see a white paper on this or some math or something backing it up cuz I got I had a, a similar discussion with folks about Leica, right? And there's this ethereal sort of Leica look that everyone talks about, especially Leica shooters that they talk about, you know, Leica cameras create this this kind of look that you can't put your finger on but it's there. And I'm like, okay, what is this Leica look? I want to know. I'm is science you know the science geek wants to know what the Leica look is is it more specularity is it the images are slightly more saturated does do the cameras have a built in little clarity slider in there and you just it's like three notches to the left on Leica cameras I don't know I mean you guys I mean if well, I, can, I the Leica
1: s- I have not but I I have I have seen that look I I think it, there's a difference when you're talking about a camera system and the lens because the lens can Take those photons and and bend them certain ways and and manip- You know, you they're being manipulated by the camera, yeah. whereas the light just coming out of you know the head, like you said, photons are photons. Um, I, I know that right. The, they do have different color temperatures, and that may be what they're talking about when they say the quality of light coming out of it. You know, it's it maybe it is a little bit broader uh, a spectrum or, or more more pleasing, uh, color temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, yeah, I don't I don't know that uh, that's a that's a huge We're still
0: not answering my question, see? That's yeah, see, exactly. and it goes un and see, Jen, it goes unanswered again. It's
2: <laughs> you know like nobody, exactly. <laughs> nobody knows. Exactly.
0: So okay, so here's why is. leading so, the blind here. Yeah. So Craig, if if do you think if a photographer with a top of the line like a camera and the best lights that Pro Photo has to offer, given the same model in the same studio next to a photographer with, you know, let's say a top-of-the-line Nikon or whatever, and Einstein lights, and they both produced work. Could you tell the difference between those two works? And, you know, they're, they're using the exact same light modifiers, so you can't, you know, right, nothing right. else is different. Would it, could I, you tell I, the
1: difference? I mean, uh, my, my instinct says no. You, mm-hmm. you, they should be able to make them look the same. Um, because, as you said, fo- photons are photons. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that you know uh now there may be something that the Leica camera is doing in you know once it's gotten the image on its sensor and it's processing it the processing may be different between the two and so you get a different look there. Yeah. Uh, and I could I could see that happening but uh as a result of the lights and the modifiers and the the setup there I yeah I don't I don't buy it. Well,
0: well Alex, you, you did some you did some in studio tests Alex what what did you find when you did that you
3: could could you tell the difference uh, well, um, it's I think it's all about uh, lens. If you if, uh, if the lenses make biggest difference on the camera and uh, like a lens, they cost three, five, ten times more than uh, Canon or Nikon, some of them. And uh, it most likely because they just brighter lens. You know, uh, zero ninety five. Uh, you know, f stop. It's kind of cool. And yeah. there is nothing it's... like this for Canon. And of course, if you're gonna shoot with different lenses, with uh, let's say wide open. F2.8 and uh, uh, 0.95, 0.95, it will be different, you know, back different result. That's where you'll see difference. But if you set both lenses on the same aperture, it will be much less result. And if you put the same lens on the Leica, or Leica's lens on the Canon, that's probably where you're going to kill that uh, difference at all. Because the processing, it will be, you know, it, it, it's different in the camera. Then you bring it uh, to, uh, let's say, Adobe, Adobe uh, Raw Converter, right? Yeah. There is one more processing going on. How are you going to process them? It's up to you, and again, it will alter the image. And then it will be probably conversion to JPEG when you post it to Facebook or whatever. Or it will be some conversion if you're going to prepare it for print. So I would say it's only about the lens. Yeah. Leica lens has well, it's cool lens. Yeah. Yeah,
1: well... Again, unanswered. We're unanswered. (laughs) (laughs) We're making more questions. You need 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 to go interview a bunch of the lighting guys and have them explain it to you.
0: I'm going to. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Twip Army, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Don't you worry about it. All right. uh, This last story we're going to get into real quick is about Lytro. We've had Lytro on the show before. They're the makers of that shoot first, ask questions later camera where you can focus the image after you take it. Um, and let's see. Uh, looking at the the salient point in this. Okay, so basically, uh, they took an investment, to, and they're going into virtual reality. So they took an investment of fifty million dollars, led by GSV Capital, and as a result of this restructuring, they're going to lay off twenty-five to fifty of their one hundred and thirty employees, and at the same time, they're going to bring on new people with expertise in VR and video. So. Is this the end? You know, we'll go quick on this. I know no one's probably an expert on the Lytro camera. I've played with it once. Um, Craig, is this the end of Lytro? And did you ever give Lytro a shot? Like, did you ever bring it into the studio and like, hey, I'm going to try to make this thing work?
1: No, I, I I have played around with it in their booths at various trade shows. I I played around with it last week at WPPI. It, I mean, it and it it's interesting, and, but I could never find a use case for it. Right, I don't. I don't really need to have that selective focus. Um, I think that this is a good move for them. I don't. I don't think. I think this is something that's going to reinvigorate them, and they're going to find the 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 niche that uh, is useful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the virtual reality. A lot of times, they're using it where they're recording a 360-degree scene, and they stitch all these images together. But it never quite looks right. And by being able to have this selective focus, I think they can improve on that uh, that experience. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think it's a, I think it's going to be a good thing for them.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Alex, do you have anything to add to that on Lytro? It seems like Lytro would be. Perfect for someone like you in the studio because then you can, those water droplets flying through the air, you could tap on one, it would focus it, you know. <laughs>
3: well, I so, don't think it's, it's able to capture it at all, and the resolution is really low because with flying stuff, you need lots of pixels to crop because yep. you're not going to catch it, you know, if it can just fly around. So we should lose yep. and then crop it if needed. Uh, but like Greg said, it's probably good for company, but uh, not good for camera. But, you know, uh, uh, doing this step for after how many years two years uh, after releasing that big new camera it just tells me that it's not it was not a good experience for them mm-hmm. So uh, to, to survive that's probably a really cool thing especially you know virtual reality yet it's a future. Yeah. Uh, we probably will have uh, that stuff everywhere really soon you know you can kind of browse stuff. Uh, so it's great for company but for camera. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know, Jan. I'm I'm curious to hear what you think about this too. I know, I mean, neither of us have shot this thing, but when I hear virtual reality, I think '80s, right? Because that's that was when remember Lawnmower Man and all those movies that came out about you know virtual reality and Matrix, all that stuff with virtual reality. Nothing really kind of took hold in the real world. I think the for me at least, unless I've, I've missed it. The real things that I've seen that took hold were augmented reality, where, like, within the, within the uh, you know, certain apps you can hold up and aim in a certain direction and see restaurants through your camera, you know, th- those kind of apps where you're augmenting actual reality with data seem to make more sense. I haven't seen anything that, like, okay... I got to have this thing, you know. <laughs> it's virtual reality. I got to be in that world. Jan, have you have you seen anything that was so compelling that virtual reality is the future?
2: No, I haven't, but I know that um, it is a hot thing again. And it's probably for a different use than the kind of consumer use that you're describing. My understanding is that this light field technology that um, was in the camera is something mm-hmm. that they can use with the virtual reality. And mm-hmm. I know that uh, it's not just that company that's into it. I think Facebook just bought Oculus, right?
1: Yes, right. Yeah. Uh,
0: Oculus Rift. Yeah. yeah,
2: and Google bought a company as well, so there must be something there because a lot of people are investing a lot of money in it.
0: I don't know. I mean, Google also invested a lot of money in Google Glass, so I'm just saying. You
2: know. They have a lot of money to throw around, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, just because someone pays a lot of money for something, you know, you know, what was the uh, the print that sold for $6.5 million? Just because someone pays a lot of money for something doesn't mean it's uh, it's a good thing. That's
1: but true. I don't know. I want to keep
0: an eye on it because I I know some people that use... The first-person headsets on drones, you know, it's not exactly virtual reality, but it's still, you know, changing your perspective on things. So yeah, I think this is, a, it's a good move overall for Lytro, and that light field technology is essentially like ray tracing, you know, in an image and capturing all the ray tracing data and let you recreate it later as you look around in the scene. So which is kind of like VR. So yeah, it, it definitely makes sense. All right, guys, let's uh, quickly go through this listener Q&A. Uh, this week's question is from Eric Juras. Um, and the question is, this is not necessarily a question for the show, but a question for Frederick Van Johnson and any other member of the TWIP Army who happens to own a 5K iMac and does either video or photo editing regularly. Okay, that would be me. And I don't know. Jan, you have a 5K iMac,
2: right? Don't you? No way. I've I got it. No, I'm sitting here with an old Mac Pro with like all this, you know. It's all junked up. I took it in my garage and I added all these hard drives to it. it's cool.
0: <laughs> So, so you are a geek. Your your geek is showing. Um, okay. So then the rest of the question is: the high resolution screen is indeed nice, but also kind of glossy, big and glossy. How do you cope with that? Is glaring a real problem? Do you see your face on the screen whenever the ambient light is bright enough? What I have in mind is that I'm thinking you buy one and want to invest in a 27-inch mirror to go every time. So basically wondering if is this thing reflective. I'm looking at it right now, and no, it's not reflective. I don't see myself in it. It is – I don't know what magic pixie dust they sprinkled on this display, but I see – icons desktop and windows i don't see frederick anywhere in this display and i work in a pretty bright room during the day i don't get any room reflections or any of that sort of thing on this either conversely right next to it i have a cinema display that's sitting here with palettes and stuff on it and from time to time i get reflections on this screen so that's what i see i don't know craig or alex do you guys have a 5k imac no 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 i'm the only one Good. <laughs> Finally, I beat people at something. <laughs> no, you I love this bag. It's great. I don't see me getting a new computer anytime soon. It's been it's been great, and the reflectivity has not been a problem. All right. Well, I guess I answered this week's question. So, uh, Twip Army, if you have another question that you like answered on the show, just visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com and click on that submit a question link, and you can send us either a text message or a voice message. All right, before we continue on to our picks of the week, I want to thank our next sponsor for this episode of This Week in Photo, and that's our good friends at lynda.com. This episode is brought to you by lynda.com, the online training platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, just visit lynda.com twip. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash T-W-I-P. Now lynda.com is for problem solvers, creative people, or just people who want to make things happen. Maybe you want to master Excel or learn negotiation tactics or build a website or even boost your Photoshop skills. Just go to lynda.com and feed your curious mind. lynda.com offers a ton of courses on Lightroom, Photoshop, and the Adobe Creative Cloud, and many on just getting inspired or re-inspired about your photography. With a lynda.com membership, you can watch and learn from top experts who are passionate about teaching, and you can stream thousands of video courses on demand and learn at your own schedule and courses are structured so you can watch them from start to finish or you can consume them in bite-sized pieces you can even download tutorials and watch them on the go from your iOS or Android device your lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics all for one flat rate. So whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or just want to learn something new, visit lynda.com slash twip and sign up for your free 10-day trial. That's l-y-n-d-a dot slash twip. All right, let's jump into our picks of the week. Remember, your pick can be anything as long as it's related to photography. Jan Kabili, I'm going to let you go first. What is your pick of the week?
2: Well, I think that uh, the women out there are going to like this pick, as well as anybody who doesn't like carrying around giant camera bags. I found my favorite camera bag ever, and that is the Turnstile Sling. This is a bag that you can carry. Can I show it to you? You want to see? I will see see it, screen. Okay, I'll show you the real thing. Here's the real thing. I don't know if you'll be able to see it. Here we go. See, there it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, I see it.
2: It's not too big, it's not too big, and it's got this strap that you can use either as a sling that goes over one shoulder, or this is how I use it, I just tie it around my waist like, you know, those wait a minute, <laughs> those old fanny packs from the 80s.
0: Who's <laughs> gonna say that?
2: <laughs> you know, but but that's really important. So I travel a lot and I'm carrying some gear with me. My shoulders are killing me with regular camera bags. So then I tried backpacks. Well, that doesn't work either, you know, because you want to grab something and you can't because it's back there and you can't reach. But this thing, you just sling it right around to your front, use unzip it, your camera is right there, ready to pick up and shoot. And I can fit in there um, my um, Panasonic um, GH4. I can fit uh, with the 12 to 35 lens. I can fit at least two maybe three other lenses now granted I'm using mirrorless systems so the lenses are really nice and small but it's fantastic I can get everything in that one bag and always have it with me and it doesn't hurt I what so I'm going to have
0: to get that, that I'm, I'm on a never-ending quest I think I feel like you know I feel like this is like Lord of the Rings or something because I'm on a quest to find the right bag and I cannot find the right bag and there's always one little thing missing, like, oh, it doesn't have a slot for my MacBook, or it doesn't have this or this. Or what I'm learning is it might be a case of you just need the, what do you call it, um, the right bag for the right reason, right? So I need to, maybe I need multiple bags, and every now and then I will just grab the bag that works.
2: Can you see my screen right now? I'm trying to share a screen. Oh, yeah, we can
0: see it.
2: So there it is on this guy's back. Or on his, you know, not his back, his butt, <laughs> and, but that's but a, a blue bag. But there it is, um, over the shoulder. And look how that minimal slight.
1: that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: I so like that. It. I'm, I love this thing, and I've tried a lot of different things.
0: And who makes that? Is that Think
2: Tank? Who? That's Think Tank, and I love Think Tank anyway because they're a really great company. They're very responsive, and um, they, for example, I always use, I use the Think Tank bags uh, with my computer gear as well. And uh, one time I ripped something on there, and right away they sent me another one. Um, the strap was too long for me because I'm really short. They sent me a shorter strap for free. Just call them up. They're actually human beings there, and they answer you, and they help you. That's Think always
1: time. good.
0: It's always good interacting with human beings. Very yeah. cool. All right. Well, cool. Thanks, Jan. That's a good pick. I'm, uh, you may have spent some more of my money. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Next, Alex, I'm going to let you go next. You're, uh, I'm anxious to see what your pick of the week is. I have a feeling I know what it is uh, because I agree with it. So tell us what your pick of the week is.
3: Uh, yeah, uh, it's pick design stuff. Yes, uh, I'll show you in a moment. i just tell uh, the story. Uh, we got some, basically it was uh, like a little gifts from pick design uh, back into August uh, 2014. Just before we um, Moved from Georgia to California. Exactly, yep. Just like that. Yep. And, uh, we've been traveling for two weeks, 15 days, you know, in our car through all the U.S. It was an amazing journey. And what was really cool—I now I know how lucky I was to have this system, basically. Uh, this. Uh, it's called clip, right? Camera clip. Uh, you know yep. the little thing which mounts on the camera, and uh, this you can mount on your, uh, on any strap, on your belt, on anything, right? And well, it's pretty simple idea. I don't know uh, why I didn't see it before. I was not, you know, landscape photographer, but I was always with camera outside and we we're shooting kids, and this is just really cool. You know, uh, it frees your hands. You just clip it and use your hands to uh, do whatever you want. And camera is always with you. It's, I just really love it. And uh, you know, just things like how you attach the camera strap. Hold it
2: up, hold it up higher.
3: Yeah, oh, sorry. That's, you know, you just click here and you have your strap. It's it's not with me, but uh, you have a strap on the camera. Then another click, you have it uh, detached. Uh, same for this, really cool. You know, this is how I actually shoot all the time. Uh, have camera like this. Yeah, yeah. This is my wife's camera, but I have much larger, you know, with the battery back. And what's cool? Uh, it's easy to adjust it. If uh, two people using the same camera, for example, uh, with different hands, like I uh, switch with my wife many mm-hmm. times, uh, that kind of strap. I had it with uh, from Canon. I have different things, but uh, it's all fixed. Once you kind of adjust it for your hand, there is no way to easily and fast adjust it to another. Here it's like, boom, it's, it's for me, and then you release it and uh, you adjust it. So. That's cool. It's really cool. I, I love their stuff, and it's really reliable and, oh uh, well, awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree with them. Uh, I like Peak Design because, yeah, I mean, I use them on all my cameras as well. And um, the main reason is because of these things right here. I'm going to hold up. Hopefully you guys can see this. Wait, can you see that? Uh, I, can, can... I
3: think I can share a screen, so it will be... There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I'll share the screen. So, um yeah, this stuff you see. This oh, is Oh yeah, you. Perfect. Yeah. That's what they have.
0: Yeah, so the main reason I use them is they are um I like well they're independently owned and operated uh for one, and the second thing is they started off with a Kickstarter campaign which went like gangbusters and then I I had a chance to interview them at one of these past trade shows and they are whenever they launch a new product, instead of taking funding and doing all this other stuff and getting banks involved, they run another Kickstarter and they launch another product, you know, like the hand grip. That was a Kickstarter campaign. They launched the product. It's out there. They iterate on the product based on what people in the Kickstarter campaign want and Boom! You know, I think it's a really innovative way to to run a company and to get products out there that clearly people like. Like Alex and I are, I'm a fan. I know Alex sounds like you are too, Alex. Yes, and, yes, uh, I'm. yeah, and it works. I, for me, I was looking for a solution because I have a couple of cameras, and I was looking for a solution where I could have one or two camera straps that I really liked, and then use it with all my <laughs> use the same camera strap with all my cameras because typically I only take one camera with me. Uh, maybe two, but typically one camera, and this was the solution. Now I have one camera strap with a bunch of those little things hanging off of my other cameras. Then when I, you know, I'm going to grab the GH4, I snap the camera strap on there, and I'm good to go. You know, I take it off and put on the GX7, I'm good to go, and it's, you know, it just works for me.
3: Yeah, and Absolutely. it's Arca Swiss. It's awesome because it uh, works for well.
0: Exactly, Arca Swiss. Yeah, that plate will work on all my tripods too. So it's, now I don't have to worry about the tripod head and this. Does this one work over there? Do I have to take it off? You know, it's just the the only negative that I've found so far with it with the tripod thing. And this is more of a manufacturer thing. Is the the way Panasonic built the a couple of their cameras. The GH4 is one of them. The battery door under is on the bottom. And with the tripod plate on there, you have to take the tripod plate off in order to access the battery. So if there was a way that they could architect that thing so that I could access my battery without removing the tripod plate, that would be fantastic. All right. So who's next? Who's next?
1: That would be me, I believe. Could that be, last but not least, Craig Colvin? So uh, I, I have the Peak Design, and I... I really like the system as you were talking about being able to disconnect. My mm-hmm. biggest problem is the strap is not long enough. Yeah. The, the one that goes around your shoulder, it it tends to ride higher than I would like it to. I would like it to be just slightly below my waist, and it's yep. up, right up above me. You know, because I'm a I'm a tall guy. Well, not as tall as you. I would think that. Well, both you and Alex are tall as well. But uh, yeah. I wish it was just a little bit longer. Um, so we kind of have a theme going here. You know. Uh, some photographers collect bags. I collect straps and lens management systems. Oh, nice. Uh, cool. So I have pretty much every kind of strap system ever made. And uh, lens management, I'm, I'm always trying to have it so I don't have to go into my bag to get my lenses out. And at uh, WPPI, I, I got to see what's called the Quick Draw lens management system. Uh, it's not shipping yet, but I played with it. It's a really rock-solid, really well-made product. Uh, it clips to your, your belt. And it's, a, uh, it's basically a camera mount that you, you attach your lens to, and then it, as soon as you've twisted the lens, it will then fall down and hang vertically. Hmm. Um, and so you can eat quick, very quickly take your lens off, put it on that, it's locked into you, and then you can grab your other lens and put it back on your camera body.
0: And what's, uh, it, what's that called again?
1: Uh, quick Draw. And the there's a link in, the, yeah, link in the show notes if you want to go take a look at it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to take a look at it. And what, is that, what does that cost? Uh, it's a little pricey. It's $139, and you need to have two because you always have to have an empty one to put your lens into, right? You have to have a minimum, right? You, you need one more than you have lenses uh, that you're carrying. Um, but uh, they let me, you know, put it on a belt and, and walk around with it for a little while, and it was uh, it was really, really nice. Uh, I kinda, is, that, is that the one we're looking at right now? Yes, right yep, one? right. Um, and it, it just it it locks into your body too. It doesn't bang around or uh, so. The other the other one I looked at was called Lens Flipper, and I ended up buying this at WPPI. It's a lot less expensive. I think it was forty nine dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is basically two back to back mounts uh, that are with a strap and uh, that you can put around your neck or your shoulder. Uh, so you have a lens that's that's on one of them. Um, it's going to hang down to your side. You then take your k- lens off your camera body, put it in the other side of it, take off the other one, and then uh, it, it allows you to switch lenses with one hand, basically. It is it's not quite as nice in the fact that it's on a strap, so it tends to swing around and bang around. Uh, I wouldn't use it on uh, when I went to the beach or something, but... Uh, uh, it was it was definitely usable in the studio or, or street uh, street photography that sort of thing. So very cool. Yeah, those are my two picks.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I remember seeing these guys a couple of weeks ago and uh, got all excited and then I realized that they did not have a mount for Micro Four Thirds cameras.
1: Yes, I, I talked to them about that and uh, they said that they had gotten numerous requests there at the show for that and that they would... They would...
0: <laughs> I mean, hello. I mean, yeah, yeah.
1: you know, come on, They they had, they had Sony, Canon, uh, Nikon, and Canon, right?
0: Yeah, so, yeah. So they now they need Fuji and Micro Four Thirds and right. they're done, you know? Yep. Very cool. All right guys, uh, I'm going to skip my pick of the week. Actually, my pick of the week Jan is uh, related to you. I know that you're working on something, some kind of series over at Linda or maybe in the future something interesting. So I want to direct people to once again go to linda.com and check out the stuff that Jan Kabili's working on and keep an eye out for what comes out in the future. So that's my pick of the week. Jan's always working on something teaser, cool over there. Yeah. Yeah, that was my teaser for Jan Kabili working on something crazy at Linda. So, Jan, people can just, when they go to lynda.com, they can just search for you and see your, your, you know, discography over there, If it, for example, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, and in fact, you don't even have to search. If you put lynda.com slash Jan Kabili, I have my own page.
0: How about um, look, that? At look at you. Yeah, I you know. know. Linda.com royalty over here. <laughs>
2: yeah. I got Do you know I've done uh it's going to be 40 40 courses and they're all still up there like this is that doesn't even include some really old ones I think. That's yeah, amazing, that's, isn't it?
0: That's yeah. crazy. That's I mean, yeah, you're you definitely have a doctorate in online education I think. So
2: Well, you know, it's an interesting field. I didn't even know I knew that much. That's the you
0: know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, and then you until you start talking to people that don't know anything, <laughs> you're like, "Wow, I am a wealth of information."
2: <laughs> well, you can laugh, about it, but honestly, it's really rewarding, and it really feels good. You know, I yeah. I do it because people say thank you. Yeah, that's
0: right. Yeah, passion. I mean, you've been doing it. You said since 1999, so 15, 16 years of doing that. You know, you don't do 15, 16 years of anything unless you really enjoy it, right? Right. So, no, congratulations. That's uh, that's quite an accomplishment. So, thank you. Awesome. All right, guys, that was my pick of the week. And with that, we're at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. I want to thank both of our sponsors for their support, our friends at, you guessed it, lynda.com and also freshbooks.com. Help us keep the lights on over here. Craig Colvin, where can people go to keep up with you in your world of taking artistic nudes? (laughs) Ah. (laughs) I'm looking at you, Jan (laughs) Kabili.
1: So you can uh, every th- uh, CraigColvinPhotography.com. Uh, all things lead to that. I have all my links to Twitter, Google+, Facebook, and all of that uh, there on my website. And uh, be sure to check out the uh, the workshop on uh, this week in photography. It'll it should be posted by the end of this week.
0: Yes, if if Frederick doesn't drop the ball, it should be live on the site by the time this thing. Well, we goes got it by. recorded now that you, know, you you're on the okay. spot. So I can get- edit this, dude. You forget, right? <laughs> Awesome. Craig, well welcome welcome and thanks for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure you. having always you. Always great to be here. All right. And Jan Kabili is next. Where can people go to keep up with you and connect with you?
2: Well, I really want people to go to thisweekinphoto.com, The Fix. We have some amazing shows already up there. Um, Dave Cross, Lisa Snyder, uh, Peter Krog and other, um, you know, you wouldn't even believe who's coming on the show. I mean, these are the masters, the people that you really need to learn from. And this isn't just a talk show. It's also a learning show. So everybody does tutorials for you, and I think there's a lot for everyone there.
0: Yeah, it's it's, and it's an honor having you on the network, so thank you for, for doing it. I'm, uh, I'm excited to see what you cook up over there. Thank you. And welcome to the show, too. This is uh, Don't Be a Stranger coming on This Week in Photo.
2: Oh, not you know, I love to talk to you, Frederick. It's always fun, and I also want to thank you for giving me these opportunities. Oh, you're
0: welcome. Namaste. My <laughs> pleasure. All right, and last but not least, our newest, another new addition to this week in photo, Mr. Alex Koloskov, the CEO of Photog. Hey, man, where can where would you like the Twip Army to go to uh, to connect with you?
3: You can find they can find my courses on um, different places uh, like LB1, uh, Udemy.com, but most of my stuff, I would say 99% of what I do, is on 40G. So www.40g.com. Uh, I have probably 12 or so courses over there, and numerous free courses, tutorials, and uh, well, all I do. And now, about a year or go, uh, or so, it's not only me. I uh, have great instructors and the people uh, from community who's teaching there, uh, and uh, we have lots of free things. So, if you in Looking into joining this world of studio product photography, Julie Liquid, Yeah, that's where it is.
0: P H O T I G Y, photogy.com.
3: Yeah, like Prodigy, but for photography. But PhotoG.
0: Perfect. Well, welcome. I hope this won't be the last time you come on TWIP. It's a pleasure having you on.
3: Well, I hope so. Uh, I'll be glad to join when you invite me. Yeah. It's yep. awesome. Thank Very you.
0: cool well thanks to all of you guys It was a pleasure chatting with you about Google+ hopefully in the next several weeks we'll see where everything will boil down to and and what this new Google world will look like for photos hangouts and streams and uh, you know it's never a dull moment in the photography industry It's always something new something something new to get excited about or something new to complain about it's what we <laughs> it's, it's photography. All right, guys, uh, and TWIP Army, be sure to visit the website over at ThisWeekInPhoto.com. Check out Jan's site at ThisWeekInPhoto.com slash fix. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off.
1: This Week in Photo is a PixelCore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.